truth or imitation, and I will be the first to say as we try to tackle tonight's subject, I have uh, no confidence that we'll cover it thoroughly in just one one lesson. Uh, there is so much, uh, as I was reading uh, about this term forgiveness, about this biblical truth, one of the most interesting things that it said uh, that I did read today was that forgiveness is not a pagan virtue. Uh, now, what the writer meant by that simply was you cannot find forgiveness in the world outside the Bible. Forgiveness is a biblical truth. It is unique to the God of the Bible. And, of course, uh, it's amazing uh, what people do with forgiveness and talk about an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In the Old Testament, there's only forgiveness in the New Testament, and yet uh, that's not true. If there were only forgiveness in the New Testament, then no one in the Old Testament would have been saved. Uh, forgiveness in the world outside the Bible is viewed as a weakness. It's viewed as a flaw. It's viewed as something uh, that needs to be guarded against. Yet in the Bible, it's the highest of all virtues because without it, you do not go to heaven. And if you have forgiveness from God, the, the biblical record demands that you have forgiveness toward your fellow man. Uh, you can't have one or the other. Um, and uh, so uh, we, we look at this, and, and as we get through this tonight, like I said, I've just got so many thoughts in my mind. This is, this is the key issue to... Uh, the Calvinist idea of a limited atonement, that God only forgives those that get saved, versus the universal forgiveness of the Arminian, where God forgives everyone. And I'd just like to challenge you, as so many extremes, both are equally wrong. Uh, there is forgiveness. We're going to look at it in the Bible. And if there is something that the devil has tried to imitate in so many different ways, it's forgiveness. Uh, the word simply means the removal of the penalties due or the satisfaction of wrongs committed. It, it's, it's a very simple term in and of itself. Um, uh, in the banking world, it, it's... Uh, very exact. If you have a debt and you pay your debt, it is then forgiven. That's how simply it works. If you have agreed to take on a debt and pay certain interest along with the amount of debt that you have taken on, your debt is not forgiven, it's not satisfied until you've paid everything. Now, in America today, we have an unusual thing, we call it bankruptcy. That's where you can go out and run up all kinds of debt, and you go in and the judge goes, forgiven. 
You don't owe it anymore. I want to challenge you. What happens to that debt? Does it simply just disappear? Uh, We wish it did. This is one of the ways uh, that the American economy makes fake money. Is you see, things cost something. And once something is produced, once the debt has been occurred, incurred, and then the judge just simply says, okay, uh, uh, Visa, you are not going to get uh, $10,000 of what is owed you. It's not going to happen. So what does Visa do? They raise their fees to all of their vendors to cover because they're not going to lose money. And then uh, they often will take money back from the different vendors to whom the thing was owed. And then the vendor ha- comes up short at the end of this month. And so he raises the prices. In essence, when an individual forgets, uh, f- gets forgiveness for their debts, the entire society has to pay for those things. And, it, and if we just pretend it doesn't exist, then we devalue our currency. Because we are removing a solid basis of cost and payment. Once we change that balance, it's got to come out somewhere. I hope I'm not getting too technical here, but we, we understand this thing that there is forgiveness. And all of the different types of imitation forgiveness do recognize one thing that some type of wrong has been committed. All of the imitations recognize that because that is the central truth to forgiveness. Uh, there is You don't walk up to someone who owes you nothing, who has never done anything wrong, and just say, I, I forgive you. Well, what did you forgive me for? Uh well, nothing. You you didn't you didn't offend me. You owe me nothing. You you know you've done you've not injured me in any way. I just I just want you to know everything's all right. Well, we have a word for that. It's called stupid, really. I mean, there's not a nice word for it. It's yet that's one of the great imitations that everybody just runs around trying to pretend live in a fantasy land. There must be something wrong done in order for there to be forgiveness. This is why dealing with little children in our children's church, we train our workers to be very careful. And uh, the first question, if a child uh, expresses an interest in salvation or what it is, is say, uh, do you know what sin is? Oh, yes. Have you ever sinned? Oh, no. Well, that's a typical response from a little child. Because they know sin is bad, and they haven't done anything bad. Now, when a 45-year-old person says, I've never done anything wrong, we've got other issues. Honesty, uh, mental capacity maybe, uh, just, just a lot of very serious things here. But here is, let's just go through some of the imitations real quick. Number one, repayment. Uh, some people think that just simple repayment is biblical forgiveness, just like at the bank. 
I paid my debt, I'm forgiven. Uh, oftentimes this phrase is used when someone is adjudicated in a criminal court and they're sentenced to a, uh, a term in jail and they get out, they say, I've paid my debt to society. Well, did they erase the wrong thing that they did? No. Uh, but this is an imitation of forgiveness, is repayment. Very close to it is restitution. Okay, if I steal something that belongs to you, your bicycle, I steal your bicycle, and you say, hey, you stole my bicycle, and I give you your bicycle back in the same operating order that it was when I stole it, I have restored to you. And people say, oh, yeah, now everything's equal. It's all done. We'll wash our hands. I, I want to challenge you that that doesn't change the fact that I stole your bicycle. But the world says, hey, that's fine. As long as you pay it back. In fact, this happens much in our courts. As long as you'll pay back what you stole, as long as you'll uh, make some amends, everything is okay. This next one is, is really bad. But we try it all the time. This is probably the most often used imitation forgiveness. I'm just not going to worry about it. In fact, let's just, if we were in Brooklyn, we'd say, forget about it, Right? Don't worry. I'm not going to hold you accountable. You're not going to hold me accountable. We're just going to wash our hands and everything's cool. Right? Wrong. Uh, But people think that's forgiveness. You say, well, I'm just putting it behind me. That's not forgiveness. Uh, The statement is, I'll just bury the hatchet. I'm not going to hold it against you anymore. That's never true. Because the first thing, time something goes wrong, and, and this is often a problem that, that if it's not dealt with in a marriage will lead to divorce, is when something wrong is done, hey, we'll forget about it. Well, the next time something similar happens, the new event, the old event, and the old, old event, and the other event, and, the, and all of a sudden... Uh, it's like pulling up a tree root. We start here, uh, but the trunk is 20 feet down the road there. Uh, we've, we destroy a lot of things. Forgetfulness is not forgiveness. Uh, this next one, uh, this seems to be uh, a politician's favorite way out. I didn't do anything wrong. And since I make the laws... We're going to change the laws, and then I'm not, I haven't done anything wrong. I mean, how, long, how many times have we heard our elected politicians in the last few years, and, and some of our not elected politicians? I didn't know I was doing anything wrong when I set up my own private server for top secret emails. I mean, uh, that happens all the time, right? Only in fantasy land, my friend. Uh, especially when they start showing up on WikiLeaks, we got problems here. But who's going to convict a Clinton? Nobody ever has of anything. Because 
Someone said they've got the goods on everybody, and so nobody is going to bother them. Uh, I don't know, but I'm, I'm not here to, to preach about politics, but this is just a very present example of this type of forgiveness because they make themselves as if they'd never done anything wrong, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. Happens at work all the time, doesn't it? Happens uh, when you're dealing with the IRS. They'll send you a letter and say, you owe this money. And you write them back and you give them proof and say, I don't owe this money. And then they send you another letter that says, we're about to impound your bank accounts and we're going to put a lien on your property. And you call them up and you're 45 minutes on the phone. Just happened last week to our church. 45 minutes on the phone. and Oh, oh, yes, there's no record of you. I wanted to go. Why are you sending me these terribly nasty letters threatening all of these things when you and I both know that we don't have any problems here? Uh, Listen, don't hold your breath to get an apology from the IRS because it's not coming. Is what they do offensive and wrong? Absolutely. Are you going to stop it? No. But I've met people who have spent their whole life trying to right other people's wrongs that they cannot fix. And the only person that suffers. This thing called dominion is out there. People do it all the time. And if you get caught up in it trying to fight against it, not only are you never going to find forgiveness, you're never going to have peace of mind. This next one is the worst one of all, I think. I'm sorry. Well, I said I was sorry. Isn't that enough? Um, what was it there? They had a set of commercials on the radio, I heard. Uh, they're driving, and the one girl says to the other, Aren't you a little impaired? I said, No, I just got a little buzz. And they get into a car wreck, and the girl says, Oh, my arm is broken. You broke my arm. And, the, and the, the driver said, No, no, I'm not drunk. I'm just a little, I just buzzed a little bit. And they said, Oh, okay, like it never happened and pretended that their arm isn't broken anymore. Did you hear those commercials? Really trying to illustrate the point that even though you're sorry, you can't undo the wrong and the hurt that you've done. It doesn't make it okay to say, I'm sorry. Those are probably some of the most worthless words in the entire English language, and yet people think that's forgiveness. It's an imitation forgiveness. Just because you say you're sorry doesn't change what you did. And the last one is probably the one that's tried the most and failed at, uh, tried the most and failed at every time it tried to work. I'm going to change. I'm going to be different now. You see, I'm so sorry for what I did. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to change my life. And my change is what's going to uh, make you uh, understand and is going to satisfy the debt that I owe. Um, I don't know. I hope we don't have too many country music fans here. But I remember when I was a kid hearing a song. Uh, it, it was called Happy Birthday, Darling. And and, uh, the words went basically like this. Instead of giving you something for your birthday, I'm going to take some things away. 
I'm going to start coming home at night and start getting, stop getting drunk every night. And I'm going to, you know, and it just, country music at its best, which is very terrible, actually. Just plain, old-fashioned, stupid. You, Reformation doesn't change what's happened now, does it? You see, the world offers all of these different substitutions, and really I could probably come up with 20 or 30 more, but this basically covers the major different approaches to this fake forgiveness that is out there. I'm sure you could probably come up with or have experienced a few more. But what we need to do is understand what biblical forgiveness is. Number one, in order to have biblical forgiveness, there must be a recognition of sins committed. Now, I don't have a scripture reference here because I'd have to reference the whole Bible. I mean, that's what your Bible is about. That's why God came to Adam and Eve. And and he kept pressing the button. He kept pressing and Adam... Uh, he said, uh, who told you that you were naked? And he said, well, that woman you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I ate of it. And then God goes to the woman and said, why did you eat of the fruit? Well, the snake, he, the serpent, he tricked me. And so God starts with the snake and judges the snake and then judges the woman and then judges the man. But the problem was, There was a recognition of sin committed. They had eaten of the tree. Not only had they sinned against God, both Adam and Eve had sinned against each other. Adam kept his mouth shut. He didn't try to stop his wife. Eve gave to her husband. Don't uh, you know, it was a terrible thing here. But what we have to have in order to have forgiveness is, number one, a recognition of the sin. Now, God has explained what sin is in the Bible. If you have a problem defining sin, just read Exodus chapter 20, Deuteronomy chapter 5. The Ten Commandments will give you a basic outline for what sin is. Uh, It doesn't give you all the specifics, but there is no sin known to mankind where you will not break at least one of those Ten Commandments in committing it. More than likely, more than one. And, And so, we then must surrender to God's standard of judgment. If we're going to have forgiveness, first of all, there's got to be an understanding that God's law has been broken. An understanding of God's standard of holiness, that we have broken His law not only toward God but toward other men, then we must surrender to God's standard. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You know, when we talk about forgiveness, one of our biggest problems is we want to classify big sins, little sins, Little teeny, eensy, beensy, really not important sins. And great big ones. 
But what's the Bible say? For all have... You know, I've met people that, for my only knowledge, are still on their way to hell today because they refuse to understand that their quote-unquote little sins are just as offensive to God as other people's big sins. If you don't get a hold of this, you'll never get to biblical forgiveness. God doesn't classify sins as great and small. Because how many sins does it take to transgress the standard of God's holiness? One eensy weensy beensy little tiny that really doesn't matter to you. But if that had been the only sin in history, Jesus would have still had to go to the cross. That does not make it small. Amen? And so... We understand that there are no the penalty of sin is death. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death. Romans 5.12 Death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Uh, James chapter uh, 2 And death and sin when it is finished bringeth forth what? Death. There's a reason God calls sin, sin. In the day that ye eat thereof, ye shall surely what? Die. Did Adam and Eve die? They most certainly did. They died on that day. Because when Adam had a son, he was no longer in God's image as Adam was created in. He was now in Adam's image. Uh when I was a Bible college student, there was a little bit of a controversy on the campus. And they said, are you a dichotomist or a trichotomist? And uh, the word cotomy means division. Di means two. Tri means three. So, is man a three-part being or a two-part being? And uh, being the little bit of a smart aleck that I've always been, I, I said, I'm both. Man was created three parts. But now I only got two until I get to heaven and get my glorified body. Then I'll be back to three parts. And you know what? It made everybody mad. And so I kind of enjoyed that. Uh, Because that is the truth. Amen? We're not just a body and a soul. Otherwise, where is the connection to the image of God? But we are just a body and a soul because of sin. Because... God was not playing games when he told Adam in the day that you eat thereof. Ye shall surely die. It's understanding that only God can deal with sin. That's the problem with all these substitutes. Is the emphasis is on something that I can do to make it right. When you were a little kid, did your mama teach you, sticks and stones uh, may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. How many of you said that when you were little kids? Is that true? Absolutely not. Sticks and stones will break your bones, but bones heal. 
When you get called names and ridiculed and all of that, sometimes people carry that all their life through. That's, that's a terrible thing. You see, only God deals with sin. You cannot take away your sin. And this leads us to another one of the really terrible ideas. Uh, I can't remember what night was that, Tuesday or Wednesday night. Uh, we get a knock at the door and there's a group of people out there. And uh, they said, uh, uh, we're here trying to promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm going, this don't smell right. This don't feel right. Oh, we're with the Good News Mission. He said, oh, okay. So if you hear Good News Mission, they don't have good news. I did a little research. They believe that once a person is saved, God's forgiven you for all of your sins. And so any mention of any sin that you've committed to God after salvation is a sin. You don't have to worry about asking God for forgiveness. You don't have to worry about uh, anything. And even had the audacity to call themselves Baptist. Because they saw Baptist on top of the door there, I think. Uh, And uh, then I found out their group comes from Korea. And it was loosely associated with the Baptist. Though all the Baptists in the state, uh, in the country of South Korea, have deemed them heretics and publicly said, you're not part of us. Uh, they still try to use that because the, the world is always out there. It's one of the false ideas of what forgiveness is. When you get saved, how many sins does God forgive you for? All of them, past, present, and future. If he didn't, you would have no hope of eternal life. You would be like the lady I worked with in the nursing home. She was uh, a very... Uh, godly lady in every sense. She was one of my charge nurses, but I got talking with her one night and, and, and I said, listen, I said, what happens? I said, let me paint a scenario. And I've given this illustration ever since. Uh, is, I said, I called her name and I can't even remember her first name uh, tonight. And I said, listen, let's just pretend that I, I got a really bad spirit and I wanted to I want to just anger you and get you upset. I said, I could probably do that if I wanted to. And uh, I said, let's let's just pretend that I just did everything to irritate you. And you finally got to the point where you couldn't stand it anymore. And you just left the nursing home in the middle of the shift, got in your car and went driving down the road at a high rate of speed, hit a tree and died. I said, where would you go? She said, I go to hell. I said, why? She said, well, because I didn't, I wouldn't have, I left angry, I was speeding, these were sins, I didn't have time to confess them to God, and therefore, God never forgave me for them. You see, the emphasis on that type of forgiveness is on me remembering my sins. That's not how God forgives us our sins. You see, that's the other extreme. The one person says, well, God forgives you all your sins, so don't mention them. Don't talk about them. 
God's already taken care of them. He knows them. The other extreme is, if I don't remember that sin and personally ask God to forgive me, then I don't have forgiveness. I, I am glad that the truth is on neither, in, neither one of those extremes. You see, there's a thing called repentance. Repentance is understanding that I have transgressed God's standard of holiness. Something wrong has happened. I have surrendered to what God has said needs to be done, and therefore I bring my sin just as it is to God. That's what repentance is. You see, that's why so many people in the world can never find forgiveness. That's why Judas couldn't find forgiveness. Is because he could not bring that sin to God. Because he had betrayed God. He had betrayed Jesus Christ. And in his heart and his mind, he had done something that God could not forgive. And he really just simply fulfilled the scripture because Jesus had already called him the son of perdition. You see, it wasn't that event that happened that one night. It was all of Judas's life that had led him up. He had never had true forgiveness. And therefore, when the crisis, we might say, the betrayal of Jesus Christ came, he knew there was one place he couldn't go. That was to God. And a lot of people do that same thing with their lives. Is They'll try this and they'll try that, and they will not go to the only place they can go. That's to the cross. Amen? one of the reasons I made the pulpit in the shape of a cross. To be reminded to let us understand that this is the only place where God has chosen to deal with sin. And if we will surrender our will and our thought process and our understanding to God's and bring our sins to the cross, then those words apply to you and I. It is finished. And I'm so glad, as we're just trying to get the whole thing here, God understands that I live in time. There are things that I have done wrong in my past. There are things that I will do wrong in the future. That's why 1 John 1, 9 is there. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Why is God faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness? Because He paid for it on the cross and we've already come to Him according to His, His direction. That's what repentance is. But God gives me the opportunity as I make marks on the slate of my life to come and get it clean in real time. See, one of the most horrible things that a human being can do is carry guilt. 
It puts people in psychiatric wards. It destroys everything inside of a human being. It's worse than any cancer known to mankind. That's why there are so many imitation ways to get rid of it and pretend it doesn't exist. But according to the Bible, you must understand the wrong that was done. You must understand God and accept God's standard of judgment. And there must be a payment made. There is no forgiveness in the Bible without a payment being made. Uh, let's just take one quick exercise. Turn with me to Leviticus chapter 4, if you would. Leviticus chapter 4. God is explaining in the book of Leviticus how the sacrifices are to work. That's why it's called Leviticus, Levi. Uh, this was the work of the priest. And uh, we'll just, uh, let's just look at verse 20. It says, And he shall do with the bullock as he did with the bullock for the sin offering, so shall he do with this. And the priest shall make an atonement for them, and it shall be forgiven them. Look at Leviticus 4, verse 26. The last phrase, And it shall be forgiven him. Look at verse 32. Last phrase. I'm sorry. What did I do here? Uh, I switched the numbers around. Uh, verse 35, I'm sorry. Uh, in the last phrase there, it shall be, give, be forgiven him. And verse 31 was the one I missed. And it shall be forgiven him. There was a sacrifice that had to be offered. And we get to this thing that we call, back to last week's lesson, on a biblical understanding. God has the right to set what the standards are. God has the right to tell us what to do so that we may obtain forgiveness. He gave instruction, and faith is always obedience to the revealed will and words of God. God only judges us by the words. Someone living in Moses' day at the foot of Mount Sinai could not express faith in the finished work of Christ as you and I do today. It hadn't happened yet. And so through all of those nearly 1,800 years from the time of the giving of the law on Mount Sinai till the time that Jesus was born and died on the cross... If you wanted forgiveness, you had to bring the proper sacrifice, the proper way, to the proper place, and proper procedure had to be followed. That is faith. Did the sacrifice save you? How many times did David say, Sacrifice thou wouldest not but the sacrifice of a broken and contrite spirit. You know, if what was going on in the heart wasn't matching what you were doing with the hands, did you have forgiveness? Mm-mm. The story of the rich young, I mean, the story of the uh, rich man and Lazarus. The rich man was a Jewish man. He had offered his sacrifices. 
His brothers offered their sacrifices. But they had never learned enough for Moses to be convicted of their sins and follow the pattern that is in the Bible. And you see, it says that there, there must be an acceptance of that payment. And we go through the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9 explains the connection between the Old Testament tabernacle and the mercy seat, the actual very throne of God in heaven, and how the blood sprinkled on the mercy seat in heaven is where our sins are forgiven. That's why you cannot earn, nor can you unearn your salvation. But we're not going to take it that additional step that the Calvinist does and says that God chooses who's saved and who isn't. Because God's not the author of sin. God gives us a choice to simply be obedient to Him. I've often used this example. If you could pick the person that you would like to marry and put a little pill in their cup and that would guarantee their love and faithfulness to you until the day they died. You know what? I'd make a million bucks with that. Because there'd be a lot of people that would say, Oh, that's what I want! Until they realize that the only reason that person cares about them is because they put the pill in the cup. That'd get tiring after a while, wouldn't it? The base yearning for every human being is to be loved and accepted for who they are by another human being. Amen? That's Wars have been fought over that. Nations have been destroyed. Entire peoples have been wiped out because madmen could not accept who and what they were. And so they had to do these things, trying to gain some type of... And this is what forgiveness is all about. God has made a way so that I can be accepted by Him for no other reason than I'm a human being born in the image of Adam, originally created in the image of God. That's what it means, for God so loved the world. Amen? You see, this idea of forgiveness, Jesus offered one sacrifice for sin forever. And if you can't accept that, then you cannot have biblical forgiveness. And without biblical forgiveness, you have no hope of eternal life. Now, we got just a few minutes, and we've been through this story many times, and we'll just, this is Jesus' example of what forgiveness does. Matthew chapter 18. Verse 21. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him till seven times? 
Jesus saith him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him that debt. But the same servant went out. And found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down, and besought at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, so he should pay his debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth, and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you. If ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now, if we were to explain this to modern day law uh, jurisprudence in America, that's not fair. He said he's forgiven him. He can't take his word back. That's a contract. Uh, That's the way we would do things today. Uh, But... Here's what you have to understand about this story. 10,000 talents, we've been through it. A talent, 75 pounds of silver, equal to 116 uh, pennies each talent. And so that's 1.16 million, 1,160,000 pennies. Okay, there we go. Um, The other guy owed 100 pence, 100 pennies. Now, just remember, let's let the Bible give us our understanding. A penny, a Roman penny, was a day's wages. hundred days' wages. That is no small amount. A five-day work week, that's five months' salary. Uh, if somebody owed you that much money... Uh, I think you would have every right to ask for that payment to be made, wouldn't you? But how in the world do you run up 1,160,000 days wages in debt? Uh, I mean, I think he must have had some help from one of Bertie Madoff's accountants, huh? Something like that. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, how do you accumulate that kind of debt? How many lifetimes would it take to earn that kind of money by honest labor? And the man forgave him. 
He just forgot it. But I want to challenge you. It works this way in any court. If I go in and declare bankruptcy, not only do I forfeit my debt, I forfeit my accounts receivable too now, don't I? I forfeit the assets of my company as well as the debt. That way, certain assets can be sold. Buildings and property can be sold. Uh, inventory can be liquidated. And then that money goes. That doesn't come back to me. That goes to pay the debts. The courts take care of all those things. Do you know what this man did? He had turned everything over to the Lord as long as the Lord was forgiving him his debt to the Lord, to the, to the Master. But he wasn't going to be honest because somebody owed him some money and he was going to go collect that. Who did that other debt belong to? When the Master assumed the 10,000 talents and said, I will take that debt for you and pay it for you, did he not also take everything that was also owed to that man into... Isn't that right? Wouldn't, wouldn't that be true? And so it really wasn't the Lord that went back on his word. It was the guy to whom the debt was owed. Do you see that? Hello? Are we there? You see, he never, he did not accept the terms of his forgiveness in requiring someone to pay to him what he had already allowed to be assigned to his master. And so he took back on him that hundred pence that he thought he was going to get. The only problem was that the master said, well, if this is the way you're going to work it, I'll just give you back the 10,000 talents, too, that you owe me. You see, this is how true forgiveness works. Is when I surrender and recognize my sins committed toward God and toward other people. I surrender to God's standard of righteousness and judgment. And I bring my sin to God. All of it. And I let God deal with my sin. I'm not only turning over accounts that I owe, debt that I've run up, I'm turning over debt that I'm owed. I turn over my accounts payable and my accounts receivable to the Master. It all belongs to Him. And therefore, I cannot hold against any other human being what I've turned over for collection to God. 
I've often had people who, you, 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 he'll just get away with it or she'll just get away with it then. Oh, oh, wait, wait a minute. Let's go back to the false ideas of forgiveness. We have repayment and restitution and those are all fakes. Real forgiveness is based in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when I turn over to him my accounts uh, payable, all of my debt, I must turn over to him my accounts receivable or what people owe me. Otherwise, I've broken the terms of God's forgiveness. And God may give me satisfaction of that which someone owes to me. I may hear those words. I was wrong and you were right. Yes, yes. You, you deserve to be noticed as, as having been uh, injured by me. And, and, I, 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 and that person, we may hear those words. And, huh, but wait a minute, you've got to understand, if, if that's your goal in life, God's also going to require you all of your debts payable. And the difference between what other human beings can possibly owe you and what you already owe God is the 1,160,000 versus the 100. And even Jason can tell the difference between those two numbers, can't you? You see, if I, this is why Jesus during the Lord's Prayer said, Forgive us our debts as we forgive others their debts against us. That's something we have to work at. Because that human nature, and the Bible is very, very clear. Let's just look at here. Verse 35, so likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Does that mean that those people that have hurt me need to come back to me and recognize their sin against me? It doesn't say that here. It says that I need to recognize my sin against God is so much far greater than anything anybody could possibly ever do to me. I have no right to hold against another human being that which I have turned over to God. This was illustrated to me very real in, in the Union Baptist Church as we were going through the paperwork. Uh, we paid off a tax lien. Some of you remember talking about that tax lien. One of the first things we did, uh, about $11,000. And, and then um, there was another bill that was $1,000 on there for, an, for another violation. And, and I said, wait a minute. And I went down to the building department. I couldn't find any connection. I went to, I spent half a day chasing all over. And then I finally found out that those two debts were unrelated to each other. 
That $11,000 was for a sidewalk shed they'd put up in 2009 that I never even knew existed. And uh, finally I said, now, Brother Mike, was there a shed there? And I think Andrew had, or Stephen had talked about it. And yet, sure enough, when they, they had to tear down that one to put up the one that is that was there for that whole year, and, and there were two entirely different debts. Both of them had to be paid. Uh, I thought they were trying to cheat us. I thought they had charges for one, rolled it into a tax lien, and now we're charging us again. And uh, finally, I, I sat down in a guy's office. Some of you may even remember the story. And I said, I've been all over this city trying to find somebody to help me. He said, I'm the guy that helps you. And I said, okay, help me. And he said, told this. And I said, well, I, I don't have any record that that other fence. He said, trust me, it was put up. Sure enough, I did a little research. It was there. Had to be paid. You know what? The debt has to be paid. God is just. He will not allow one sin not to be paid for. And if your forgiveness cannot extend to other human beings, then you have to understand something. You better check what you got from God. You better check the terms of the agreement. God's agreement is very simple. You turn everything over to Him. That's how a person gets saved. Amen? Then when we have to deal with our debt toward other human beings, we have to understand we gave that to God the day we got saved. And we cannot hold against others what God has taken over. And yes, it may appear that that person got away with it. But I'll promise you this. You don't have to read this Bible very much to understand nobody gets away with anything. The only sins that God forgets are the ones that are claimed through repentance and faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? And that's because we have forgiveness. One of the writers, and I'll be done here, was talking about it said, a word that Paul likes to use is the word justification. Well, justification is not forgiveness. You must have forgiveness in order to obtain justification. They're two separate thoughts. Forgiveness is the payment of the debt. The erasure of the debt. But true forgiveness demands the debt to be paid. That's why Jesus died on the cross, because he's the only one that could pay to God the debt that we owe for our sins. And all God's people said, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you tonight. We ask that you would be with us and that you would help us to reach beyond the level of human understanding here 
that the Holy Spirit by faith would give us 